Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. Uh, with Milo off on an international rave, it seems, uh, for the night, uh, he's not around. Uh, so we're going to be doing this ourselves. We're going to be challenging our humble pod to live solely in the moment. Uh, <laughs> we're going to not rely on our producer to come in and save us from our oohs and ahs and ums and ors. Uh, so what that means is... <laughs> All that nonsense of a beginning here, which is really quite disorganised. Sorry, guys, it's a complete jamble. I'm so I don't know what to do without him. How do I admit that we? How do we admit that we miss Milo? Well, so I was under the, I was under the impression that as director of podcasts, he's scouring the continent at the moment for some better podcasters than us. And he's got to sign <laughs> oh, in the next nine days. Sneaked off. Good lord! It's I mean, blimey! We're just as you can tell, uh, everyone. We're just we're just a little bit of a flutter without him. But anyway, we soldier on. We soldier on, and what that means is we'll be taking a brief look at the week that was, from non-cane movements to Pahaus de Fajeda, the away leg, if indeed we really want to go there. <laughs> And diving right into what happened earlier today at Molyneux between our beloved Tottenham Hotspur and Wolverhampton Wanderers, a.k.a. Nuno's X, which, I should just break the news to you, ended in a 1-0 victory for the mighty Tottenham Hotspur and a full suite of six points out of six at the beginning of this wonderful season. My name is Steph and joining me are Ricky and Gareth. Hello, chaps. Good evening. Evening. Evening, Steph. Very good. And uh, you did, let's start with an icebreaker question, as we always do. Uh, this one has come from uh, Milo's uh, Smash Hits pile. Which sitcom character would make the best football manager? And Ricky, I'm going to go to you. Um, my choice is the legend that is Edmund Blackadder, I think. Rowan Atkinson's Edmund Blackadder. Because he always had that kind of muted exasperation or disgust of everyone and everything around him. And I think he would just fit in quite beautifully to certain aspects of like the football manager life. You know, i.e. mind games with other managers, trolling them constantly, um, short thrift to disruptive <laughs> players, they'll be gone. But best of all, I think he'd have complete contempt of the football media. You know, regular eye rolling, just not taking questions, that kind of thing, I think. Edmund, he'd just put them in their place. Fantastic. Uh, it's a great start. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, imagine him in the in the post-match presser. Good Lord above. He'd be uh, coming out with all sorts. I, I'm not sure about bringing Baldrick in, though, as assistant manager. That might just be too far, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Uh, I like the idea. I like that idea. Actually, there's a, there's a actually, you know, Baldrick is sort of would be like if Baldrick, you know, it's like Phil Neal. <laughs> yeah, Phil Neal. When he was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a Phil Neal, isn't he? That so it's actually yeah, not a yeah. bad shout. Yeah, he's a bit of a Phil Neal, boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one gareth what do you got for us well i'm thinking that increasingly managers don't seem to move into their own houses they they, they tend to be a little bit more nomadic which reminded me of alan partridge who of course stayed in the linton <laughs> travel tavern for over oh, six months the... so you know i oh. can just imagine i don't know whether nunu's had nuno's had problems taking apart his corby trouser press and not being able to put it back together again or if he takes his 12 inch plate to the all you can eat buffet or not um but <laughs> <laughs> That is just perfect. What a perfect, perfect selection. I mean, I actually have to kick myself for not have thought of it my, uh, my, myself. But brilliant, brilliant. It's so perfect, isn't it? Would he? Would he manage Norwich? Uh, his team, team of choice, wouldn't it? Yeah. I suppose it would have to be Norwich, wouldn't it, really? I mean, there's no one else. But it is perfect. He would. Um, and how many premiership managers have come across like him? It is. That's perfect. That's going to be hard yeah. to beat that. And I don't think I'm going to be able to beat that with, uh, I mean, as ever, I could never just give one answer. That would be far too straightforward. Uh, you know, there's Steve Carell in The Office in America. 
uh ricky gervais obviously in the english office but as you pointed out gareth we already have him uh in brenton brenton rogers <laughs> we've already got him <laughs> in action but i'm going to go really old school and say that i think ronnie barker from porridge his porridge character would have been uh, would have been excellent uh because he, he had a little bit of the older there'll be the red naps and the allardices all rolled into one there i think and you know i could just see him being able to unify any situation and sort of make light of it and plus he just had those great looks in porridge didn't he raise the eyebrow and like you know a bit of that so you know yeah so anyway well good i mean we could go on and on with this i'm sure but uh let's not let's move on and leave milo with uh less editing when he gets to it uh that being said, we're going to go into the week that was, and uh, more specifically, transfer news. Uh, just to run through it with chaps, uh, TJ Aoma has moved to League One side Lincoln City, where he spent last season on loan and made a real impact. And uh, we do want to wish him good luck and hope he continues to develop into the fine player who first showed himself to a greater audience on our US tour in the summer of 2018. Reports in France suggest that a deal for 18-year-old Mets midfielder Papa Sar is close. Uh, he only made his debut for Mets last December, but has gained a lot of since then uh, apparently a tenacious midfielder who some have likened to Declan Rice I mean I can't say I've seen any of him have you guys seen any of him or not at all no nope. I think he played for no, Mets he's today a... he was playing for yeah. them today yeah or was that yeah. yesterday so I suppose in fairness he's a bit of a Danny Rose candidate for us then in terms of <laughs> we're going to be scrambling to look him up on the clips and the YouTubes but you know the fee is rumoured to be 10 million plus 5 million in add-ons and it's not clear at this point whether if the signing is made he would be returning to Mets on loan for the season or not so um, I mean it sounds exciting on paper but I think you know we just have to see how it plays out and in fairness I think we're probably going to have to go to our YouTubes and, and see you know why we're why we're interested um, and look, the saga of Harry rumbles on, albeit it seems to be getting slower and slower in the in the juggernaut sense. And uh, I mean, I don't think much happened this last week other than that story in the Telegraph. What did you think of that? This the, the big story in the Telegraph earlier this week, which looked to me to have come from a direction. What did you guys make of that? I, I didn't think it moved the story on at all, really. I think it just told us what we already knew, that he and his his entourage are keen to get him moved to Manchester City, but there was no substance to it. There were no sources that indicated Manchester City were about to come in with a bid with the magic number. So I, I don't think it tells us anything. I think what was far more significant was the fact that he was involved today. Yeah. Yes. I think, um, I mean, like we said before, unless they get the old Levy's fax machine whirring, then nothing's really going to be moving forward at all. And I mean, the one thing they did say, which I thought was rather stupid from their side again, was that they said, oh, uh, you know, um, Harry will knuckle down. He'll, you know, he'll rejoin the team. He'll do whatever, which basically is almost music to Levy's ears because he thinks, well, I've got even less reason to tell you if I don't want to, because you are just going to like fit back in after a little you know, resettling in, basically. So I don't think that strengthens their position. No, I mean, you'd have to say that the club, in in that sense, uh, perspective, and again, I understand that people have their, you know, their ideas of what good and bad behaviour is in this situation, but from the club's perspective, they've played a blinder because there was a time about a week and a half ago where it seemed like the walls were going to cave in on Harry. And, uh, you know, again, we can speculate all we want. We're not entirely sure what the circumstances behind is not going to training where and whether we really did know and didn't say anything and so on and so forth. I mean, these things, you know, are obviously not all what you see, you know, what it says on the tin, there's more going on. Um, so they have played a blinder, haven't they? Uh, haven't they, Ricky? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. he's, 
there's no there's no reason to buckle for anything no, less I mean, because you do know that this player is going to give his all now. I mean, I mean, regardless of what happened regarding the training thing, it, one thing it's definitely done is reflected quite badly on Harry. So all this kind of all, and so they're always doing the backstroke in the sense of trying to get back on side with the fans. And one of those things that he's forcing them into saying is like I'm saying, it's just like, oh yeah, he will like try for the team, he will become reintegrated. When of course, if he had played it differently, he wouldn't necessarily, he wouldn't have the want to say any of that he wouldn't need to because you know it'd still be it'd just be like if he was quiet himself through the whole thing or even I mean I think he should have been just more open at the end of like last season he should have said that you know should have said that I want to leave and been straight with the fans and he would have then and if he didn't then get his move it wouldn't have been there wouldn't have been no kind of like you know reversal needed from him he would have just he'd have said well I'm going to stay now because the team that wanted me basically let me down because they had basically let him down if they're not coming forward so yeah, I mean the impression I get is that truth be told deep down I don't think he has any animosity towards the club whatsoever as a football club I think he's really you know probably is quite happy to play for us I mean it is the club of his boyhood and so on and so forth and he spent a lot of years I think at this point if he's got any rancor it's probably going to be with the chairman and I do think there must have been a light bulb moment a a couple of weeks ago where he's like well crikey this whole thing has played me into a corner where I you know and I don't quite it's not as black and white as it's being presented um so I mean in a sense I could feel sorry for him uh you know that being the perspective that I have, sorry, the perspective I have on that is because I think Man City are the real villains of this piece, more than Levy, more right. than anyone, because they're the ones who have the money. Or if they don't have the money, they should say they don't have the money and put an end to this chicanery. So, you know, it's it's easy for me to feel a little sorry for him, uh, maybe a little less for his representation, but I think the whole thing is, uh, is, is winding down into a rather sort of sad and grubby affair that is going to end with him still being with us. And maybe I'm convincing myself that it's all okay because I want him to be on side for us and uh, we'll get into it we'll get into what happened this afternoon obviously uh, as Gareth suggested earlier but a final thought Gareth on the whole thing yeah well I think the one thing that concerns me my hope is on when we wake up on the 2nd of September Harry Kane still registered as a Tottenham player the thing that concerns me though is the the lack of any serious links with Manchester City in any other centre forward because quite clearly they need a forward and no one's going to be fooled by the fact that they put five past Norwich yesterday they need a centre forward and it feels like they're putting all their eggs in the cane basket at the moment Um, and I think I would feel a lot more confident if there were perhaps some serious links um, going on around them with some other forwards at the moment I was going to say the one final point like we said last week I mean there's a clock on this isn't there at the the same time so the more the clock ticks down the more they're they're being unrealistic to think that they're going to get Harry over the line I mean they're not even they're not even putting the bids in that might get him over the line and all the time in the background it's ticking down and and I think that doesn't play well with Levy he's going to be thinking you know I've got lots of work to do in the transfer market outs as well as ins possibly so I could do about you know a massive last week hand grenade of Kane possibly going uh, the ghost to watch here, I think, in this whole thing is Pierre uh, Aubameyang is uh, is sort of starting to get linked as a backup to Man City. And when you think that Arteta came from Man City, when you think that there are players at Man City that they're trying to include in a in, in the in any deal they make for a for a forward, when you consider that you know someone like Bernardo Silva might fancy playing for Arteta. 
because he obviously worked with him for so many years. I, I feel that there might be some weight to come to that story. Not that I wish us to be the uh, engineers of speculation any more than anyone else, but uh, I think it's something to watch. And uh, I, yeah, I'm not so sure I'm worried about what Man City are or aren't doing. I think that Levy is uh, is such a, a rare breed. Uh, you know, I, I just I feel that the, I feel the gates are locked. And I feel that he just thinks I've said what I have to say. I'm not going to say anything else. And uh, maybe we shouldn't say anything else uh, about it Let's before we thing. talk about his role. Just one thing, Steph, please. Just go a on, question, yeah, to, question to both of you. September the 2nd is Kane with us. September the 2nd, Kane with us. Yes, yes or no? Yeah, 100% yes. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. There we go. There we go. There we go. Wolverhampton Wanderers. Molyneux, first away game for, you know, our travelling away fans for, what, what, 18 months? It's been a long time since they uh, went to a hostile atmosphere and, uh, and uh, you know, everyone came through. We came through with a 1-0 win. I think before we get into the game, though, let's just... Let's just hold our hands up in appreciation and hands being the operative part of the body to hold up at this point to Hugo Lloris. 300 appearances in the Prem, uh, the most ever in the competition for us. And I am now going to tell you that he has had 106 clean sheets in that time, which uh, and 172 wins of which today was one of them. Um, Let's be effusive in our praise of this man for a moment. He has uh, been our skipper for a long, long time. Uh, He has uh, led us through thick and thin at this point. Um, He has won a World Cup, remember, as a Tottenham Hotspur skipper, which is no mean feat. I don't think many clubs can say that their club captain is also a World Cup winner and a World Cup captain. So what more can we add to to Hugo's achievement today? I think it's quite amazing that he's kind of given us so much time, really, because, as you say, he's the French captain. He's the French World Cup winner. He came from Lyon, which you could say is a step up to us, and it looked a step up from us because of the way we then performed. So he was part of a team that was challenging i.e. us and even during the kind of slight downturns he stuck with us and how long has he been here 10 seasons 2012 he joined us yeah so it'd be nine going on yeah so i just think that's amazing service because we're not the greatest team you know what i mean (laughs) in the sense of for someone like that i mean there's you know there's plenty of other bigger teams throughout europe and he seems quite a worldly kind of character so I'd, i'd never i would never imagine he'd be you know scared about going to another country or anything like that he seems quite a level-headed straight and he's a level-headed straight thinking man unless you know he's been on a night out but that's his one blemish on his record <laughs> but um yeah so, i was wondering if that was going to come up i thought uh, yeah i we'll didn't i wasn't even going to say it. it just popped into my <laughs> head but um but you know everyone's allowed one little error as you say um mm. So yeah, I the biggest the I biggest error there was going for dinner with Olivia Giroud. I would think that's a massive error in my books. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, carry yeah, on. The company <laughs> keeps is a bit dodgy. Yeah, no. the company but, um, keeps is a bit dodgy. But yeah, he's been brilliant for us, and I think when we thought he was like maybe going downhill last season, he had a very good season again. So um, yeah, he recovered from on. that terrible injury that he got Brighton away a couple of seasons yeah. ago, and he recovered very well from it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, um, I think from my perspective, it's. It's the yeah, the longevity. I think it, we're also in a bit of an era here where we've now had there's quite a few players that have been with us for a number of years, and I don't suppose anyone's going to get to 300 anytime soon. But I've just been having a look through the list of players that have made 300 appearances in the Premier League, um, and in the grand scheme of things, in the 30 years of the Premier League, it's not actually perhaps that big a big a deal. So Hugo going to 300 is now one Premier League appearance behind Gary Flitcroft, Gavin McCann, and Alan Wright, those Premier League legends who've all made 301 and 303 respective appearances in the in, in the Premier League. Um, 
Um, and then you've got players that have made 300 appearances for the one particular club. So Dennis Burkamp made over 300 appearances for, for Arsenal. Um, Phil Jagielka, 332 for Everton. Ray Parler, 333 for, for Arsenal. Tim Howard, 354 appearances for, for Everton. Um, so I, I think this what this perhaps is telling me is just quite how transient some of our squads have been in the first what, 25 years of the, the Premier League. But we do now seem to have, have, have settled. So yes, the likes of um, what Eric Dyer won't be too far behind. The Tonga now would have left us now, but they've given us a great deal of service. Harry Kane will have um, would have would have done 10 years since his debut in um, well tomorrow actually is I think 10 years since Harry Kane made his Spurs debut. Wow. That's great. And yeah, I mean one thing to say as well, closing off on Hugo, is that you know goalkeeper. I mean the great and legendary and peerless Pat Jennings aside, uh, you know, and possibly Ray Clements as well, although obviously very different to the mighty Pat. You know, goalkeepers never been the most stable of positions for us. You know, we've started off, we had the likes of Neil Sullivan, who were really good and then just dropped off massively in their third season or so. And then, of course, Ian Walker, who everyone thought was going to come through and be brilliant and just completely dropped off. So, you know, as you said, uh, Ricky, Hugo has overcome some little bit, a few dodgy spells here and there, but his consistency has been remarkable. And, And again, today... Uh, you know, he, he's he's made a save that we will doubtless talk about in the next 10 or 15 minutes that's, that's uh, you know, earned us the three points, basically. And let's move on to the game today. Let's uh, talk about the fact that, you know, Nuno picked the same lineup um, and, uh, and and how that lineup performed. And, and Ricky, let's start with you. Um, I think, you know, the lineup was what we expected from the point of view. I think, one, you don't necessarily change a winning team, especially with the kind of performance they gave against City. And, of course, they all sat out on Thursday. And also, I mean, you could say well, change to whom, as in who, who under the surface and who un- who in the sort of reserves or the backup team or anyone on Thursday pushed for a place for um, starting today. But um, I think Wolves, I think we st- it was a difficult game, let's face it. For a whole, I think, hour, 70 minutes, they were strong. They got very good. I mean, for a, considering they got a new manager, I couldn't believe how well organised they looked, how much they worked for each other, um, the energy, the physicality, and not just not just Torore on the left, but the whole team. And we had to be on our game and our concentration just just to keep them at bay. I know they didn't have that many chances. I mean, Torre had the one big chance, but um, and it, that was why it was so great to get that early goal because the, when the penalty came along, they had started the game well, and that basically, I mean, if we were going to play counter attacking football, it's great to play counter attacking football when you're one goal up because the other team are going to probably give you some chances. Yep, Gareth, what about your views on the on the just to just to kick things off before we get dissectionary about it? Let's uh, get your views. Yeah, well, I, th- I think the starting eleven it spoke for itself. I think it's what we were all expecting. As we'll come on to, there was no one on Thursday who really put their put their head above the parapet and said, "You've got to pick me." Um, with Romero and Kane not being considered um, match ready or, or, or fit enough, um, but yeah, look, I, I think it was difficult playing Wolves today. It was you said it about our being our first away game with an away crowd travelling. Well, it was obviously the first time that Wolves would have played in front of a, a home partisan crowd in the same period as full stadium, and I think it probably definitely raised their intensity levels um and i think we handled it well i agree i mean two areas now to get into next i think a well worthy discussion number one uh and it's getting quite boring to have to do this but you know you somewhat i somewhat feel i have to defend deli alley every week from people who don't understand what he's doing once again we've got a player who's run over 11 kilometers today um again i think one of the top runners in the premiership this season we've got a player who's popped up in the penalty box twice 
and would have had two goals if the ball from Stephen Bergwijn across for that second uh, ghosting in on the, on the far side had been a little better. That's a tap-in for him. He's created his own penalty uh, with a ghosting run. He's increasingly looking like uh, the best sort of ball nicker that we've got. Like he gets that toe in and just nicks the ball and seems to me to be showing increasing speed over short distances to make up the nick. So he'll nick the ball away and he'll be able to, to get there and continue. I thought his performance was spectacular actually today in terms of work rate versus productivity. He was really, really strong. And then the other thing we will have to discuss is, is Triori. Um, and I'll save my views on Triori until you've expressed yours. But, uh, but Gareth, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about Delhi and, and the role he's playing and whether he is going to continue to keep this role uh, in in Nuno's team. I you know, totally totally echo everything that you've just said there about his about his work rate around the distance that he's he's covered. All the reports are that he's come back in pre season in a much better physical shape than he's come back in a couple of years. When I mean, he's still a young player, so he's still adapting his game um, and he's obviously adapting to the way that a new manager wants him to play as well. But where you want him is where we got him. You want him in the penalty area. You want him making those runs that don't get tracked. And that's not a coincidence that he keeps ending up on the um, on the receiving end of through balls in a lot of space in and around the other team's penalty area. Um, you know, and fair play to him as well for stepping up and taking the penalty so so confidently, having just been fouled as well. But he has he's put down a bit of a marker and he's saying to Nuno, you've got to pick me. I've got to be in your starting eleven at the moment. And have, Long may that continue, because if he's covering 11 kilometres a game, that means that when we are on the break or when we are trying to get that crucial second goal late on in games, then you know you can rely on him to be making those runs from the halfway line into the penalty area. And as you said, that Bergwijn pass, if it had been half a yard in front of him, he taps that in and he's got two goals. And I think we can be very excited about the Deli Alley that we're going to see this year, whether it's in that role within a three-man midfield. I think we'll probably go on to discuss whether we think that shape and formation and strength structure is going to be best in all the games that we play bear in mind when we play Watford at home next week it'll be a very very different type of opponent but I, I yeah as I said I'm, I'm excited about what Delhi's done for us in pre-season and what he started to do at the start of the year yeah I think um fair play to Delhi because after the fallout of last season he's been he's been very smart this season he's in the, obviously in the off season he's worked and he's pinpointed this season as I need to get everything back on track and he's worked hard during the summer and mentally and physically he looks in tip-top shape um I agree with Gareth. I'd still rather him be in those final thirds of the pitch. But at the moment, he can't necessarily be there all the time. And he has to play the role he has to play. And he is playing it well. I mean, he started at MK Dons as a lot more of a Gerardy kind of box-to-box midfielder. So whether he can reinvent himself a bit more in that, I'd, I'd love it. Because any of those kind of players are great when they can do it at both ends of the pitch. And I'm certainly seeing it. And it happens, seems to happen in the second half. And so whether that's because we're a bit under the cosh like we were last week and this week. But defensive side of it, he really is good this He's really getting his foot in and reading runs and cutting people off and that kind of thing, really helping out Reggie and um, wherever he's needed. But um, I think... I mean, Nuno spoke about him as a box-to-box player. He said he's a runner. Remember that? He said last week. Yeah, exactly. With Greg Spark, actually, probably the most sparkle I've seen Nuno, you know, he's been very calm and very sure. But he said, he said, he's a runner. Like it's like he's really excited about it. But I don't notice him driving as much as like someone like Gerard. In other words, he'll end up at both ends of the pitch, but I'm not necessarily seeing him getting it and then really like just it, yeah, not but he never moved. 
Not in a moral sense, like that. I'm not saying that. No, I know he didn't, no, he never, exactly. He always, he always used to move to me more like a Martin Peters, Alan Gilzine type player anyway. He seemed to almost have, um, even uh, with a touch of Berbatov's, even though Berbatov never drove anywhere unless it was mm. in a car, um, you know, uh, you know, but you know what I mean? There was that, ins- he's got that insouciance about him and he's sort of got that ghostness about him. Mm. Look, I, I should probably stop because otherwise we'll turn this into the Deli Alley tribute hour. But what I love about this is, and it's been, his name's come up in, the, you know, the last few pods, regularly and i think it's great that he's making himself a real topic of conversation and 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 respect for for all of us again and and i, I love it i i love it i know we all love it it's 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 a great thing to see um but let's talk go on the other thing that's helped him is obviously all those other players being away and coming back late he's been one of the ones that's been at the training ground so he's really grasped that opportunity and thought I'm going to have a window of opportunities here, regardless of what you maybe saw me of last season, whether Nuno takes any notice of that, he probably doesn't. But he's basically in that first 11 and someone's going to have to do something rather major to turf him out of it, I'd say. I agree. And let me, you know, I was going to let you guys come in on Triori first, but I can't resist it. I'm sorry. I'm going to go first. I have to. This, this guy is royally overrated, royally overrated. I mean, you know, if I, the commentary today was unbelievable. How many times did they say, you know, oh, he's the, the, the class and he's world class. I'm sorry. That was not a world class display. This is a player who obviously has a toolbox that's rather larger than the majority of his peers, but seems completely unable to use a hammer and a spanner when they need to be used. He seems to completely confuse them. I mean, you know, there was a talk about the one-on-one. That's one thing. And I thought Hugo made a good save there. I mean, you know, Gareth and I were talking about this off air. He's cut inside in the first 10 minutes and he's had that chance to pop it you know, into the top right or even the bottom right. And he's nearly he's nearly caused a concussion in the away end, which isn't even an end <laughs> at Molyneux. It's a corner. It's in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Greased, yeah. ar- greased arms, great physique, really nice feet, but about, you know, no penetration really whatsoever. I mean, penetration, but none that really counts. Is he the most overrated player in the Premiership? Or am I being overly critical? No, I don't think you are. Because I, I think you give him the ball and you let him run his 60, 70 yards and then you know he's going to give it back to you or he's going to put it out for a goal <laughs> kick. Um, he's a very, very low percentage player. And I, I know that um, I've had several Spurs fans talking on various podcasts this week about how they're worried about Traore and how he always has a good game against us. And he scored a screamer against us in a game at Molyneux a couple of years ago. But I mean, it, it's such low percentage stuff from him um yeah did... and scored the scored at Molyneux last season I mean it's about yeah. as high percentage as that isn't it yeah right yeah I I, I think so and I, th- I think we played him well today and I, I think he was found out so whilst at surface level a very very superficial level he's you know he's a spectacular player to watch but yeah there's just no end product that comes with it at all and I think most coaches would probably watch him and think if the ball keeps going to him I'm not going to be too disappointed because he's going to run himself into trouble and I kept noticing him in the background in the summer I don't think he kicked the ball for Spain did he and when you think about it um, he would be someone that you'd bring on as an impact sub really if you were like really desperate and I've never even seen him warming up but I think I mean he is a a dangerous player but he's mainly dangerous and a bit of a pain in the bum to the player he's playing directly against I mean if you're Tanganga and you're lining up against him today I mean it's just as it's just as threatening as 
Sterling or Grealish was last week in the sense of I'm the one that's going to have to deal with this bloke all day. And and I think Tanganga did well. And uh, even if he got a yellow card, he still, uh, Tanganga got a yellow card, but he still kind of kept his head. And then we did slightly, I think, skip and maybe someone else shared the fouls around like you normally do with Traore. And he kind of wanes in games, I think, Traore sometimes. He just kind of, he's got his kind of tricks that he does and he kind of gives you all that kind of burst of energy. And if you let him kind of escape you, it's hard to catch up with him. But I think in the end, even his own team then start maybe losing a bit of belief in him, I think. Maybe that's harsh. I don't know. I don't, I've, I, you know, I'm all, I'm, I've considered myself a most progressive human being, but the way that he oils up his muscles in that business, <laughs> I mean, I know, I know it's so as he can't, you know, you can't grab a hold of him and so on and so forth, but it is a bit naff, isn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, come on. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's maybe. I says I'll put him on um I'll put him on a parallel with Andy Carroll. So Andy Carroll, let's say Andy Carroll in his pomp, That's he generous. looks spectacular because you've paid like diagonal balls into here, and he'd make an impact at least to the to the, the the naked eye he would. But actually, when you look at the numbers and the stats behind it, so last year he played in thirty seven Premier League games, two goals and three assists. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I actually think you're being generous comparing him to, to, to Andy Carroll. I actually think of him as almost Andros like. I mean, he's got, you know, and, and it's arguable that Andros might have had a little more end product, actually, when you come to think of it. I mean, I can't think of one really good cross that he put in today. And I have to say, I thought Raul, Raul Jimenez looked up for it today. He was the player that scared me the most. I thought he really looked up for it. And, you know, you can sort of see why people were earlier in the window saying that if Harry went, you know, what they wondered if Nuno would go for him. He's a really, really, he's a top number nine, isn't he? He can do it all. Yeah. And uh, he was the player that scared me the most for Wolves today, to be honest. Yeah, he's a proper number nine, yeah. Jimenez. And I'm, uh, it's great to see him back playing, to be honest. I mean, because he, he thought yeah. he was going to get back last year and then had to wait another three, four months or whatever it is now to play yeah. this season. So, Do we think that Sonny had an injury? I know that, uh, I think you had mentioned uh, in, in our uh, in our WhatsApp group, Ricky, that you that you saw him uh, with the physio before and he looked like he was strapped on the leg and he was quite he quiet He had that today, tape on yeah. his hamstring and his left hamstring and I think they said just before the game that he kind of looked a bit, he went off the pitch with the physio and didn't really have the sunny kind of normal smiley mm. face on. So, But he seemed all right in the game. I just think, quiet, yeah, wasn't I mean... He? Yeah, I think if we just keep him on one game a week, he'll probably be all right, hopefully. He was quiet. I thought that today Lucas had a, a tough day out, to be honest. But I thought, uh, you know, we could get, we, we could look at that if we want to in some detail. But why be negative when we can be positive about Stevie Bergwijn, who I, I looked, I mean, what a what a, a fine performance he had today. And especially that, that bit of skill around the 70th minute, 75th minute, uh, was unbelievable. If that had been, um, if that had been Triori, you'd be seeing that for the rest of the year, right? And people would be going on and on about it. But it's quite... Stevie Bergwijn who doesn't rub oil on his muscles so uh, I think you know, he has got that in his locker Bergwijn sometimes oil? you see him with the you mean he's, no. you've seen oil oh, in his got, locker he's got it in the locker yeah, he doesn't he's rub oil on his muscles deal with Nivea I think he's got to deal with Nivea no sorry <laughs> sorry if you're, if you're listening to this Stevie sorry mate we just had to have a little joke at your expense we know that you don't grease up your arms no. we love you I'm Carry on, Mickey. Sorry, mate. I'm talking about his tricky feet, and he has got. He's definitely got that because sometimes you can see in his more confident moments, he does. He does a little kind of roll over the ball, not like Lamella, like constantly, uh, just like shifting it between his feet. And as you say, that thing on the touchline today was a thing of beauty. It's, even in the replay, it just looks so classy how he managed to just like quickly shift it and then knock it, and he was gone down the wing. I couldn't figure. I couldn't figure it out in slow motion. I couldn't really. No, <laughs> fair play to him. And even. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, even Hoiberg did a little nutmeg in the area. That was quite nifty, wasn't it? Do you remember when he had that? Yeah, when he set himself up absolutely. for the shot, just towed it for his legs yeah. quickly, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. But but again, Bergwijn continues to justify his selection for me. I mean, is again, we can talk about end product with him as well, uh, arguably. But uh, you do feel that he's at the very least justifying his position in the side, even if he's not going to. St- to score uh would you agree with that gareth yeah i think he's a crucial part of the system that we're trying to play at the moment um and having that systemic uh system of wanting to play on the counter-attack and be very very direct when we win the ball back uh i I think i don't know who else we would pick instead of him at the moment to fulfill that role so i I, I think he warrants his place um as we've alluded to there will be other challenges in other weeks and say it's not just watford next week the next game after that is crystal palace away and it may be that we need a little bit more guile in those games and maybe he won't be the most suitable person for it but I think we've seen in the last couple of weeks that he's, he's definitely got a, a role to fulfil at the club and within the squad under Nuno Interesting we do once again have to and this might be becoming a feature of our season the uh, the defending of, 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 of past knocking targets if you will we have to go to uh, Dyron Sanchez who again uh, for the second successive season <laughs> season the second successive game I'm getting ahead of myself there uh, helped to keep a clean sheet and performed extremely well in doing so. I thought maybe Eric had one slight slip high up the pitch in the second half, which let in uh, Triori for his uh, one-on-one. Other than that, I think it was pretty much lights out in the centre of defence. Uh, they kept they uh, kept Wolves to to working, you know, the angles from outside the box and and you know popping it from distance and so on. Uh, any thoughts on how that centre back partnership is is bearing? And any thoughts on whether we're actually locked into it now for a while or whether it is just a temporary thing? First half concerned me because I felt felt that particularly on our right hand side, which is the side Sanchez were on, we were exposed on a few occasions. Um, I think last week and for certainly the second half half today we had a we had a system in in front of us that largely protected them um, and it avoided us being exposed to their vulnerabilities which is being turned in behind and players running along the side of them I think if they're dealing with crosses they deal with that very well and largely that's the way that we've set ourselves up so that we do um, expose ourselves on the flanks in one-to-one positions which means that they are defending in situations that are more comfortable for them I think the reality of it is that we'll know in nine days time whether we've been able to sell them I I get the feeling that if a good offer came in for either of them and we felt we were able to get someone else in one of them will be will be moved on Hmm. but in saying that I mean you'd like to think that Romero when he's back to full fitness will be our first choice centre half and one of them will play alongside him but I think what we've seen over the last couple of weeks is that we can set ourselves up in a way that um, allows them to play to the best of their ability rather than being exposed at the worst of their ability. I mean, the mistake that Dyer made today on the halfway line, it was a mistake, but I wouldn't have said that was a characteristic Dyer mistake. I think the things that we've seen him do badly in the past are when he's in just in, in and around his own penalty area, he can be rash and he can make mistakes. So more often than not, if you make a mistake up on the halfway line, um, there's coverage there was today with Hugo but again I I think there's enough on there that we see they were probably both better than we thought they were last season but you know ultimately I don't think they're going to be our Premier League winning defensive partnership yeah I think um I mean yeah you can obviously Dyer just got the ball nicked off him and then of course the player that nicks the ball off him still got to play a brilliant ball and he did I don't think Dyer sometimes you get caught like that I mean it was I suppose I mean it is a bad mistake in the sense of it just depends who ends up with the chance from the other team because some other teams are going to punish you that I think Sanchez in the first half he had a couple of moments as well where I think he had he was favorite to make it against Troy and then 
then he didn't, and then Troy just burst past him, and also Sanchez. And these aren't mistakes. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to get beaten by a good players sometimes. And I think Jimenez did the same thing on the byline, didn't he? Do you know, when he sort of turned inside and went past Sanchez and that kind of thing. But you can't, you know, everyone can't be 100% perfect in every game because you're playing against Premier League players. The system was, the system is such that I think these two players are benefiting immensely from it. The discipline ahead of them and the structure is very much, I think it's, they're benefiting from that. And also the fullbacks are pretty much being just fullbacks at the moment. And they're not really being too yes. adventurous. We can kind of like keep that kind of whole back four pretty much intact. Yes. So, um, yeah. and Skip and Hoiberg are doing their job. And as I say, Delhi's putting in a massive defensive shift. So we've actually got three people there that are, I think I said this last week, that are quite workaholic, really. And they're all, yeah. they're all for up, they're all up for, uh, noticing danger, putting the yards in, um, being aware and that. Especially, I mean, Skip's looking like he's settling really well, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, let's ju- let's round this off uh, with a dis- you know, brief brief look at the substitute who came on for Sonny today. Uh, one Harry Kane. I thought he did. I thought he did really well. I thought he showed enough in his minutes to me that uh, inspire me to believe him a hundred percent in terms of his application and his effort. Uh, I think he showed his typical um, beginning of the season August rust with the chance he had. I mean, usually I think the Harry when Harry's in stride, I think he whips that in with his left foot. Myself, I don't think he tries to adjust to his right. You know, I know that we shouldn't be looking at social media and taking it as a sign of anything because it's all noise. But it was nice to see him post a really positive. Uh, Spurs social media post and it was nice to see the exchange between him and the fans which I felt was 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 positive affirmation uh, of, of his relationship with the club and with us and I think that you know once all this saga rumbles on I think we'll be back to business in a, in, in a few weeks mm. uh, any thoughts to add to that I well I, I watched the game in a pub today and there wasn't any sounds. We didn't get any commentary from the game. So the first really anyone knew of Kane coming on was when the, the shot cut to him on the bench of him putting the shirt on, and the instinctive reaction of and it was it was complete it was a complete it was a Spurs pub was um was was one of cheer and you know and joy and celebration that yeah. Harry Kane was coming on. And I think that was a fairly instinctive reaction, and it it looked like from from what I could see on the television of the, the crowd reaction inside the stadium that was probably mirrored at Molyneux as well. Yeah, yeah it was it was very loud. Yeah. It was very loud, very loud positivity. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought when fans. he came on, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, various songs from the Wolves fans that were quite entertaining. Mm. I thought he, when he came on, he actually gave us, and I know he's a completely different, especially as a number nine, a completely different player to Son. But when he came on, he definitely gave us a bit more control facing back down the pitch towards our defenders. He would get it, he would shield it, he would do that, and we know he does that. And and he almost kind of carrying the ball, holding the ball more in sort of a midfieldish area. And I think what that does actually highlight is we do actually need someone to do that maybe for us from the midfield, maybe. One of those players, whoever plays, whether that can be Lacelso, I'm not quite sure. This is what I, this is what I mean by, you know, so much stuff's up in the air. We, we, we're not quite sure how it's going to play out. Um, but yeah, he definitely did that. He's quite good at that, just, you know, using his body shape, using his um, control, using his authority. And um, hopefully... I mean, that's what I mean. I mean, the slightly worrying thing with the attack side of stuff is we're obviously without, there's no Vinny, there's no Bale, there's no Lamella. So we're now, we're we're relying on Sun. So 
I'd rather just, that's what we were saying earlier, just Kane can stay and that just makes things a whole lot easier. I think he will, he's not going to, he's not going to do any kind of like Berbatoffy or any, you know, sort of just think, oh, I just can't be bothered or not here. He'll knuckle down because the other thing is he loves scoring goals, basically. So, yeah. And that's the important thing to point out to anyone who's listening to the pod but didn't see the game and hasn't seen any highlights is that, you know, we can guarantee you that the Harry that showed up today is the Harry that we've all known and loved for many, many years at Spurs who gives his gives his all gives 100% looks fully invested looks fully engaged and that for me was 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 really important and 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 so important and yeah it was just that know-how that he's got when he came on as well and he got the Ben Foster award for time wasting in shithousery and this probably won't get picked up on the highlights but he got a yellow card for it we had a throw in I think pretty much around the 90th minute um he went over to take it held on to it for about 15 seconds then decided to leave it for for Reggie to come forward and take and he got a yellow card for that um it's awful when it's the other team doing it against you but sometimes it's, it's just those players who know how they can buy 15 or 20 seconds for you when you need it most and he's definitely got that and he brought that calmness to the team when he came on as well i agree and so just to round it off let me just say as well in closing i think nuno's done a tremendous job managing us through these uh very awkward early season uh, patches especially not knowing what his final squad is going to be and he strikes me very much as a manager who you know will only pick players who are 100% committed and who he knows he's going to be dealing with after the transfer window deadline which I think if you look at the squad selection today and if you look at who actually ended up on the pitch will tell you an awful lot and probably answer a few of the questions that you're looking for answers for in post-match interviews and let me just round off with some uh, XG stats that Gareth put in which I've got to tell you, the XG is, is fascinating. Wolves, 1.51. The mighty Tottenham Hotspur, 1.73. Uh, and we had, <laughs> we had eight shots off target to Wolves' is 25. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading that wrong. We had eight shots and Wolves had 25 shots. That's what I'm reading. But what I'm also reading is just, which is significant get that word out six shots on target for us and only six on target for wolves so there we have it that's the story of our one nil win at molyneux and so nice to see an away day again i'm jealous of all the boys and girls and and kids and everyone who went up in the away and uh, the away corner today uh, i would have loved to have made that journey my word it's a bit tough from six thousand miles and <laughs> with covid regulations but i i i i loved it i love the vibe um we're so tight on time uh, that we were going to review Pash de Fajeda, uh, the game that wasn't on Thursday. But if you don't mind, can we just sort of review it in, in, in like, you know, 10 seconds? I mean, I'll let people know that our reserve side lost 1-0 out there. Um, I'm just going to ask you very simply, 3-2-1, do you think that we can win this in the return leg, Gareth? Yes, we can win it in the return leg. And Ricky, 3-2-1, do you think we will win it in the return leg? <laughs> Yes, we will win. We'll get past them. No problem. Okay, very good. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much else to say about the game that, you know, I, I, that we'll, I don't think we need to spend time on it. I really don't. Do we, really? I mean, is there anything you want to say? No, well, I didn't see it. It, it was a subscription <laughs> too far for me to get Premier Sports for £9.99 a month. So there's really nothing else I can add to it. Yeah. No, no, not I really. Think it was, um, no, I think we all saw it. And again, I just will add anyone judging uh, debuts and, 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 and games in, in, a, in a match like that, you're crackers, you know, absolutely not. Don't do it. So, OK, great. The other thing to be hopeful for is um, they, although we lost, they didn't really create much beyond the chance they had. So, and we had a 
pretty much a thrown together team with the um, youth player. And at the end of the day, it might be valuable. The youth players, quite often, they only get substitute appearances, but some of them actually started. So fair play to yeah. them, really. A- absolutely. I mean, I was actually probably the, the, the happiest uh, I got about the entire thing was to see that there wasn't a massive knee-jerk reaction to the result. And it seems that most people actually understood the context of the result and the game uh, in, in, you know, in the frame of it being a two-leg tie and the fact that we didn't really have a regular first-team player out there you know so uh i mean we could yep. talk about brian uh, about benny hill a little bit i can say that because uh milo's not here but you know, they all played they, i thought he did well and so anyway fast forward fast forward fast forward china rush watford watford we welcome danny rose back to white hart lane when we play watford this sunday uh gareth i'm going to go to you very quickly to you know you have pointed out that's a very different proposition do you think nuno is going to switch his system or do you think he's going to grind it out with this system and uh we have the thought process being let's just get to the transfer window and then I can start to work out alternate formations you'd like to think that uh, Harry will be available to start the game next week I'm talking about Harry Kane not Harry Winks um, I think there would you put Geo in for, for for Skip maybe not um, I, I do think that we need to hold on to the ball much better than we did today I think particularly in the first half we just couldn't keep the ball for more than five or six seconds when we did it and I think next week the crowd will will ensure that we need to keep hold of the ball better than we did um, so I think there needs to be a slightly different intent to that one it'll be interesting to see who plays Thursday night who may then also play on Sunday um, so yes I expect there to be a couple of changes I don't expect any new players to be involved um, but yeah I, I think I think it's whether Kane comes in is the, is yeah, the, is the I, only real decision I mean yeah it does depend on Thursday because I think we do need to get through I think those extra games in those if we can get into that league, your conference league stage will help sort through not only what the problems we've already got but also with new sign-ins and everything like that it helps to just they're almost like without you know without slacking the tournament they're almost like training games in the sense but actually competitive for all those kind of fringe players and because if we didn't have those games how do those fringe players then make a claim you know for a first team place when you think about it I think Kane might well play Thursday even if it's a half well that's what might happen I think we might just be a bit stronger and then maybe substitute we're either going to be a bit stronger and then take people off if it goes well or the other way around uh, I'm not saying every, there'll still be at least five or six first teamers that probably won't be near I, I mean the annoying thing for Nuno is for one circumstance or another normally like even last Thursday he would have Ndombele Uriay Sissoko Kane to all call on you know even those four players last Thursday would have made a massive difference but you know they're just not either in favour or they're going or whatever's happening with all of them at the moment um, but I think Watford I think he's just going to pretty much just stick with the team he's got as much as possible I think no one's really made a claim I thought Sessegnon was quite good the other night compared to some other times when he's played but he didn't look as the problem I've always had with Sessegnon is he always looks timid and I don't think he looked like that the other night he looked like he wanted to get involved on both sides of the ball but certainly I mean he was on the bench today I think but um, yeah I think it's going to take a bit to shift any of the first 11 for the Watford uh, for the Watford game you know uh, same as who played today against Wolves yeah I don't see it I think we all know and I think we all feel that there's got to be a a passer you know in the midfield at some point in the coming weeks or months you know and I do think that that's going to see uh, the midfield balance change uh, I think that Delhi's 
I think Ed Dilley's undroppable right now. And then I think it becomes between Skip and Hoybier, actually, uh, as to who would maybe have a rest. And obviously, seniority dictates and spirit and performance that Hoybier will probably be the guy who keeps that place. And then you bring in a passer if you play the three in midfield. I'm not sure La Celso is, is the answer yet. I think he needs a little more time for us to see. I'm, I'm still not com- totally convinced, mm. but, but let's see. I don't think we're going to see anything change before the window myself. No, That's I think favorite. he's going to keep that consistency because obviously we're getting results. So he's just going to think, well, at least that's something. I can try and keep that tight-knit kind of 11, 12 players I've got and just go with that. The thing that's really annoying me slightly is um, with Undembele and La Celso and Hoiberg, it's almost as though whenever we've had them, we've always kind of... So many people have wanted to see if they can make the three in midfield. And of course, when we were playing 4-2-3-1, we didn't really necessarily have a system for that. Now, ironically, we were playing 4-3-3. It seems like, oh yeah, we could try that, but it looks like that is so far away. That's never going to happen. And... I, I've got it. I've got to interrupt sorry, and just say I do not think I mean I love I love Tongi as 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 a prospect and as a, as a potential talent on paper but I just don't think it's going to work. I mean it's three managers oh, in a row now who apparently have an issue um and at that point you have to say that it must be something within the player's psyche himself. I mean I again we don't know but you know and again I have to hold my hands up to Nuno here and say you know really brave to not involve players who are not committed you know uh, it's a brave move I think that will change in September if they're still here I think you Hmm. will see them integrated because I think it'll be like work hard and you know hopefully they will but uh, I mean anyway the Celso and Ndembele, they're on their third season now, and it just feels like we haven't got hardly anything out of them. And realistically, they were the first steps of let's spend some money, let's try and you know let's try and rebuild this squad, whatever. And it's almost as though if we if those two don't work, then that's another whole window where we didn't really buy anyone that's helped. Well, that's a whole history that requires another pod and another context. I think. I mean, I agree with you, but you know we can't get into that here. I mean, we've got into it before, and we will get into it in the future, especially if one of those players ends up leaving before the window and uh you know i know that we are looking to you know shift and dombele i think that's fairly obvious and there's been talk of creative midfielders from france whose names i shan't mention but have been connected with the gooners uh coming uh we'll see it's all all to play for in the next week really isn't it both on the pitch against Paris de Fajaya, uh against watford in the transfer market, Paratici is going to have to continue playing a blinder, but nobody's going to have to play a bigger blinder, really, than Daniel Levy, who's just got to sit tight and do, I think, what everyone in this pod uh, would agree is the only thing to do now, which is just tell Harry he ain't going nowhere. And the only time he's going to Manchester this season is on the team bus or plane when we play United and City away. And on that note, guys, I'm going to say uh, thanks very much indeed for joining us. Uh, thank you. Just Thank there. You. Yeah, we'll be back next week with a look back at our games against Pajas de Fajaya. I like saying that because I can say it. Uh, and Watford. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I, I can also say Watford, actually. Did I pronounce Watford properly? Yes, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and uh, give us a follow, say hello. And if you like what you hear, we have a bountiful archive full of oral treasures for you to plunder. Be sure to check them out. Did I make that enticing enough? I think I did. And if you've listened this far into the pod, you must really like it. So go on, get on your social media, tell everyone about it. Get off your social media, tell everyone about it. What are you waiting for? There is no time like the present. As always, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week.